Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this morning, the Gospel reading, Matthew 9, verses 1 through 8, especially these words, when the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, authority, authority. I fight authority, authority always wins. Popular song from not that many years ago. Years ago when I was at the seminary, I had a little game that I played with the staff in the admissions department. I had to walk right by the admissions department to get to one of my part-time jobs on campus. And the gals were there, the door was always open. Every time I walked by, I would stick my head in and say, oh, by the way, go ahead and take the day off. And then they would giggle and keep right on working. Why didn't they take the day off? Because I was just a lowly student. I had no power. I had no authority. My words, while they may have been funny, they had zero power and authority behind them. It was a joke. And the first 60 or 70 times I did it, it was probably funny. And then after that, even the joke went on deaf ears. Authority. It's no laughing matter. It's no joke. We have seen the abuses and misuses of authority, really, throughout our whole lifetime, but especially during the last 19 months. I didn't even know the term virtue signaling two years ago. And now, now it's all before us, everywhere. Virtue signaling is where you, you take a, a virtue, something that you personally have decided to do. And then rather than be happy and be satisfied with that choice that you've made, that virtue that you've done, you have to signal that virtue to everyone else to feel good about yourself and to shame people for not doing exactly the same behavior that you have chosen to do. Let me give you an example. I drive an electric car because I care about the environment. And you don't? I recycle. I recycle everything. I recycle even a church. Don't you? You're going to throw that away? These are just some common examples of virtue signaling. The stakes have gotten much higher over the last 19 months, and especially over the last 90 days. 
Two years ago, when someone would use the initials SJW, I had no idea what they were talking about. I had to Google it to see what it meant. Social justice warriors. They take virtue signaling to a whole new level. You want to know what social justice warriors do? Remember the race riots that we had downtown and millions of dollars in damage? Remember the protest marches that we had even here near our church for slavery reparations? Lincoln, Nebraska, 2020? Just a couple of examples of social justice warriors. Wanting authority, not so much for themselves, but for others, for you. Do what I say or pay. There's another kind of authority abuse that's been really ramping up over the last 19 months. And that is simply passive, aggressive behavior. You may not know that particular phrase, but you know exactly what it is. We all do. See, I've got a problem with you, but instead of talking to you, I'll talk to you, and I'll talk to you, and I'll talk to you, hoping that it will filter back to you, and then I don't have to take responsibility for my problem, concern, or accusation. Happens all the time. Social media is the worst, especially anonymous accounts on social media where people can say pretty much anything they want about anybody else hoping to exert their power and authority, all the time skirting the Eighth Commandment. This is nothing new. It's as old as can possibly be. It was about 15 or 16 years ago, my wife had a co-worker who, on the side, had a tree trimming business. And one day, he chopped down some giant trees. So in the back of his pickup, he had a huge mountain of wood. Oak and ash two to three feet in diameter, precisely cut 18 inches long so that they could be used eventually for firewood. There was two problems. One, he didn't have a log splitter. Two, the tires on his pickup were ready to explode because the wood was so heavy. He knew we had a fireplace at our house. And he said, you want some free wood? Me, not seeing the wood in the back of the pickup, said, sure. 
And minutes later, he deposited all of that wood in my driveway. Here's where the story gets good. The wood had been in my driveway for two days. I made arrangements to borrow a log splitter. It would be three or four days before the log splitter would show up. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Until the police showed up at my door. We've had a complaint. Oh, really? Yes, you're storing firewood in your driveway. That's against the city ordinance. I said it hasn't even been here 48 hours. I'm not storing anything. Doesn't matter, we had a complaint. Who complained? Oh, that's anonymous, I can't tell you. What? You have 48 hours to get rid of this wood. $500 fine. I was not happy. Why couldn't my neighbor, who was upset about the wood, come and say, hey, do you need some help with the wood? Or, what's the deal with the wood? But you see, it wasn't about the wood. When it comes to passive-aggressive behavior, it's never about the issue. It's about power and it's about authority. It's about making somebody jump when you say jump. It's about making somebody say how high when you say jump. I went to Ace Hardware and I bought a sledgehammer and an axe and a wedge. The next day was my day off. The heat index was over a hundred. And I began one by one, splitting this wood. About two hours into it, one of my neighbors came. I said, what are you doing? Told her the story. She was incensed. Went home, got me a glass of lemonade, and I thought that was it. About an hour later, a neighbor showed up to help. And then a few minutes later, another neighbor showed up to help. After a couple of hours, the entire neighborhood, except for one, was helping me split and stack the wood on that miserably hot day. That neighbor had gone door to door and told everyone what had happened. And the neighbors responded in Christian love. And you know the worst part of this? The worst part of it was that anonymous report to the city, the county, the state, whoever sent the police, 
that anonymous report caused me to sin. It caused me to sin. I had thought evil of every one of my neighbors because I didn't know who did it. So I just decided to hate them all. Shame on me. Shame on us. And throughout that day, as people heard the sound of the wood being chopped, there was one particular neighbor who was truly ashamed. My friends, our text for today in Matthew 9 talks about authority. These issues or problems or abuses or sins with regard to authority are nothing new. They're as old as Genesis chapter 3. Sin manifests itself in a variety of ways. Today, we just happen to see it ever so clearly as things, emotions, economy, everything, has kind of heightened over the last 19 months. Rather than talk to our neighbor, our brother and sister in Christ, we'll talk behind their back or, or label whatever they say as misinformation. We'll do anything we can rather than deal with an issue. That's what was going on here with Jesus and the paralyzed man. Some friends had absolute genuine concern for their brother. They brought him to Jesus. In the parallel accounts, we know how great their love was. They crawled on top of the roof. They ripped a hole in the roof. They dropped the man down in front of Jesus. They knew Jesus was his only hope. The man was paralyzed. They saw him in his condition. They wanted him to be healed. Jesus, Jesus knew the man's condition just like he knows our condition. Jesus not only knew the man's condition but Jesus knew the hearts of the scribes who were virtue signaling, social justice warrioring, passive aggressive behavioring. Jesus knew their hearts and knew their thoughts. They weren't concerned about the man. They weren't concerned about Jesus' healing. They were concerned about losing their power and authority. Because if this Jesus really is who he claims to be, then Jesus 
is the Messiah, the Son of God. And where will our position be? He's blaspheming. Only God can forgive sins. Can you imagine the paralyzed man and his friends? They go to all this work to get to the feet of Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Your sins are forgiven. What? What's up with that? I want to walk. We want our friend healed. You forgive his sins? Jesus, that's not what we're looking for. My friends, if we only care about Jesus, God, the Bible, church, for our temporal and physical needs and issues, we are to be pitied. Jesus has come into this world to forgive sins. Jesus came into this world, God in the flesh, to take on sin, death, and the devil for us. He followed the law, every jot and tittle of the law, followed it completely, and then gave away his righteousness to you and me. He went to Calvary's cross, bleeding and dying as our substitute. He didn't sin, but he took our sins with him on that Friday we call good. Jesus really died. You want to talk about virtue signaling, social justice warrioring, and passive aggressive nature coming to a head, it all came to a head. It all came to a head at a kangaroo court. Lying witnesses, false charges, and an innocent man being put to death. Jesus knows how this works because he was the recipient of it. But in spite of all that, from the cross, Jesus prays for all of the social justice warrior types among us. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. On that first Easter, Jesus proved his power and authority. Jesus, who was dead, is now alive, never to die again. Jesus has this power and this authority. And you know what he does? He gives it away. He gives it away. He gives it away to our officials, parents, teachers, government, police. They are God's instruments for good. Do they sometimes abuse that authority? Absolutely. Do they sometimes sin against God in the exercise of that authority? Sadly, yes. This is why we pray for our authorities. This is why we hold them to account. 
This is why we encourage them according to true virtue, which is the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God. My friends, Jesus teaches us the church's authority. When the crowd saw it, the miracle, they were afraid and glorified God who had given such authority to men. Jesus gives his authority to the church to forgive sins and to withhold forgiveness. To preach the word in its truth and purity. To administer the sacraments according to the command and promise of God. To do so freely. Without prejudice. All according to the authority that Christ has earned by his perfect life, his obedient death, and His glorious resurrection. So now what? What about us who still live in this sin-filled world? What about us who, who still experience or maybe are personally ourselves tempted to sin with and against authority? It was just over 10 years ago I was invited to present at the Montana District Pastors Conference. It was a great honor. It was a great honor. The topic that I was to present on was pure doctrine, and especially the efforts of the ACELC, the organization that our congregation has been a part of since day one had the presentation, had lots of good back and forth dialogue. We're sitting on a chilly Montana night in July around a campfire when one of the pastors came up to me. I knew his name. He was a high-ranking synodical official, but I'd never met him before. He says, Clint, can we talk? Pulled me off to the side. He said, Clint, I want to apologize. I said, apologize for what? He said, for about three years, I have made it my mission to tear you down. I said, what? He goes, well, you didn't know it. I did it behind your back. He said, I'm sorry. I didn't know you. I didn't talk to you. I didn't clarify anything that I thought you were about. And now, hearing you speak and actually talking to you face to face, says, I'm ashamed. I'm sorry. And he looked me in the eye and he said, please forgive me. 
You know what I did? Against every grain in my body, against every feeling and emotion that I had, against everything that I wanted to do, I forgave him. And I gave him a hug. And in Montana, you don't hug. And we are friends to this day. In our epistle reading, Ephesians 4, verse 25, the Holy Spirit teaches us, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Brothers and sisters in Christ, may it be so among us. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our lives, our words, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.